This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. Just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast and you feel like making sure that I can continue to make these little podcasts and keep it going for another season, we really appreciate you going to SheetsGiggles.com and checking out the eucalyptus sheets and bedding created by Sheets and Giggles. Uh, Not only can you get this amazing bedding that is super comfortable and will help you sleep but you'll also get it in a really cool package uh, that has some fun little suggestions of fun things to do and care of your sheets really important to pay attention for that so you can get the most out of these sheets they're a little bit of an investment but investing in the things that help you sleep and make your bed comfortable is an investment you'll never regret and also keep that in mind Uh, For a gift for your significant other, if you have something that you are like, man, I can't think of what to get them for Christmas, I can't think of what to get them for their birthday, uh, Sheets and Giggles, that's the place to go, SheetsGiggles.com, and when you get there and you check out, enter the code GUARDIANS to save 15%. Code GUARDIANS to save 15% and to support the podcast. Yesterday was a podcast processing a frustrating loss, and today is a podcast processing a miraculous win. The Guardians struck out four times in an inning and scored six runs. The Guardians started off that inning with three strikeouts and still scored six runs, which Sarah Lang says is the first time that any team has done that since the expansion era in 1961 so obviously that is the story of the game that and brian shaw getting another win throwing only one pitch it was a frustrating game for most of the game i was getting some people trying to dunk on me after the game because i had tweeted that the uh, guardians having such a frustrating season series to the tigers is just one of those things like it was bound to happen one of these days And people are like, well, you spoke too soon. The Guardians lost 9 of 19 games to the the Tigers, so I think it still qualifies as a pretty frustrating year against the Tigers. But they did manage to win those series, win the season series 10-9. So that definitely, they pulled it out. I also kind of wanted to see Benson and Jones in this game after Chafin went out because everybody just looks exhausted, thought Benson Jones might be able to provide a little spark off the bench. And Benson did so on the bases, but we didn't see Jones and still won the game. So what do I know? Uh, The Guardians couldn't quite figure out Daniel Norris today. And I I like Daniel Norris. He's got a cool story. He lived in a van, uh, came to faith in Christ, which you know is important to me a little bit later in life. um, And uh, really kind of sold out to everything that it meant to live a little bit more simply and try to follow this faith and I always respect that any person of faith and how they they really try to be intentional about their faith so 
I have nothing against Daniel Norris, but he's not a very good pitcher, and you shouldn't be shut down, locked down by Daniel Norris. And it's always frustrating to see the Guardians just not be able to put anything together against him. But it turned out they needed to face a good lefty to kind of turn things around. I it's it's just frustrating to think like why can't Miller, Owen Miller, and Miles Straw hit left-handed pitching? They're right-handers, so you'd think they would be, you know, a little bit better than what they usually are against right-handed pitchers against left-handed pitcher, giving enough opportunities, but just not quite seeing it there. The only thing I will say is that Miller does walk at a higher rate against left-handers, so that maybe indicates that he can see left-hand pitching, so maybe given enough time, he'll be a little bit better. Still don't want to see him play first base because he just doesn't quite have the pop for that. I'd rather see him as a utility guy who can go between second, short, short and third, but that's not currently how they're playing him. So he was starting at first today because Naylor wasn't able to go there. Naylor was the DH, and that's fine. It just it just seems a little strange that they're constantly going to him and Straw against left-handed pitching rather than letting some other guys get a chance. I mean, let Jones, let Benson get a chance to hit against a left-hander now and then. Give him that shot. Uh, you know, let Tyler Freeman get a shot here and there. You know, he could, If he can play first, give him a shot at first now and then. So I'm still stand on that, but it was super exciting to see the team get it done uh, the way that they always do, by not giving up, by putting the ball in play. And uh, just great to see some of the leaders of the team lead the way here, from Straw, Straw to Quan to Rosario to Jose to um, everyone who was just involved in that whole experience. Definitely Josh Naylor, guys that you can count on to be the emotional and, and uh, physical leaders of this team. also want to note that Cal Quantrill had a rough start, especially just one inning where he just let things get away from him and walked a couple batters, gave up a couple key hits. But after the game, man, he is just a great interview. He just seems like he's always on top of things, always taking responsibility, always willing to share his thoughts and has some great insights. You can see why they talk about him as a locker room leader. And he managed to get the team through six innings, which is absolutely key. And then they were able to go to Karen Check for an inning and two-thirds and have Brian Shaw throw one pitch to win the game. And then uh, Emmanuel Classe did what Emmanuel Classe always does, got a couple strikeouts and a weak ground out. Well, I guess it, was, it wasn't weak, but n not especially great. So let's talk a little bit about this crazy inning, the eighth inning. Starts off, like I said, with three strikeouts. Owen Miller... Andres Jimenez, and Luke Maley strike out. But Luke Maley makes it to first base on a wild pitch from Andrew Chafin, who has just come in the game. And Andrew Chafin is, as I said, a good relief pitcher, a good left-handed relief pitcher. So the next thing that happens is an amazing thing. Miles Straw hits the ball hard, 98.3 miles per hour exit velocity. That's pretty great. And... It has a 400 expected batting average. So I'm walking through this inning on Baseball Savant. If you've never been to BaseballSavant.com, you can go to their game feed and you can see kind of how hard guys hit the ball, what the expected batting average on on different hits was. Gives you a sense of, you know, kind of how special, unexpected, I don't want to say lucky, but sometimes lucky a given hit inning or sequence was. So Miles Straw got a good hit. That kind of gets things going. Then Stephen Kwan hits a double, but it's a bloop double, 
and he hits it, he pulls it, strangely enough, pull bloops it down the right field line. A left-handed hitter taking a left-handed pitcher's pitch on the inside part of the plate and blooping it down the left field line, I mean the right field line, that is something you don't see very often. So he does it, he bloops it down the, left, the right field line as a left-handed hitter and has a .090 expected batting average. So that tells you not really a hit that often, but it was this time. Then Ahmed Rosario legs out an infield single. This was a moment where Ahmed in the count, I was like, oh no, they're going to give him something outside the zone. He's just so aggressive. He just wants to do so well. He's going to strike out, and that'll be the end of the inning. Quan hit this uh, blue ground rule double, so they weren't able to score Miles Straw. we got to get Miles Straw home because the score is only 4-3 to three at this point. And, but they managed to keep the ball in the zone enough. Uh, they switched pitchers here at this point. And the pitcher managed to keep the ball in the zone long enough for Ahmed to hit a infield single with a 280 expected batting average. So not necessarily, uh, you know, a bad pitch, but also not, you know, also not really a bad hit. He hit it in a good spot, infield single. And then Jose Ramirez comes up, and I desperately wanted Jose to do something here because you just see that he's getting close like he's rocketing foul balls he's he's getting close to getting back but he just seems so frustrated and he hits a ball 69.6 miles an hour a 140 batting average but it's also a double bloops it in there for a double and they make an error on it Badu makes an error on it so two guys score and things are getting pretty exciting at this point the Guardians have taken the lead by a couple runs and the next thing you know, Oscar Gonzalez, I don't know why they're throwing him pitches where he can hit them. He can hit them if they're anywhere near the strike zone. And he has a 90, uh, please continue. He has a 93.9 mile an hour hit. It has a .080 expected batting average, but we've got that mini green monster out there in left field and it bounces right off of that. And Gonzalez has a double. And then we have our first actual really good hit of the inning. Owen Miller, good for him, hits a 90-mile-an-hour uh, hit for a .950 uh, batting average on a single. And the Guardians score six runs in this inning, even with Andres Jimenez striking out twice, which at that point, we forgive you, Andres. You've been a hero this whole series. It's okay for you to strike out a couple times. Looks like Andres probably needs a day off anyway, just like everybody does. And as I mentioned yesterday, the Guardians have a day off to spend at home, and that's a big deal for any team to be able to just kind of have a day off to spend at home. Some other exciting Guardians news today. Jose Ramirez opened up a baseball field for folks in Cleveland, for kids in Cleveland, and you can already see how much Jose Ramirez wants to invest in this community impossible not to root for Jose in everything that he does and not to believe that he's going to figure out this little slump that he's in and be you know probably on fire for this team at some point the rest of the season just kind of every day I'm waiting with bated breath to see him begin to get on fire because you know this team's going to go on a huge run when that happens and there are some other guys too that are kind of waiting to break out. Even Miles Straw, he's not going to be—he's not going to hit this badly forever, guys. He's going to turn it around here. Do kind of hope that we can see Will Benson a little bit. 
just to give Straw a little break here and there and let Benson see what he's capable of. Um, but I understand going with the guys, the horses that brought you. I understand Tito's philosophy there and being loyal to guys. You know, it, it, it doesn't, you can't repeat it too much how important it is to have Emmanuel Classe on this team. Every time they get a lead, you're like, okay, they're going to win this game. They're going to win this game. Because Emmanuel Classe, also James Karinchek, Trevor Steffen, and Nick Sandlin are absolutely on fire fire in the bullpen they're they're unbelievably reliable and you know that i'm still a believer in eli morgan sam hinches has been amazing as well and angel de los santos has also been a really great reliever back there so the bullpen's super exciting and uh, that that gives you really a chance in any series if you can get a lead and hold on to it with guys like that Looking forward to the White Sox series, looking forward to having a day off to kind of process and take a rest and hopefully see the White Sox lose again to the Astros as they lost today, which is which is good news for us. Kind of mostly concerned about the White Sox. Well, concerned about the White Sox and the Twins, but foremost about the White Sox just still feels like they're the biggest threat because they have such a great pitching rotation, even with all the injuries they substa- they've sustained. Sustained, uh, they have a great, great pitching rotation. So that's that's kind of a, a big series for us. But we get uh, McKenzie and Bieber in this series, and Savali, who's been pitching great. So hopefully those three starters can put up some great performances, and the guys can get to some of those good White Sox starters, and we can at least get two out of three, and that would put them in a really great position. It's going to be exciting no matter what. I mean, it is exciting to follow a team in the playoff push. So I hope that if you're listening to this and you're in the Cleveland area, you're inviting your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your family to say, hey, come catch a Guardians game with me. Weather's getting super nice right now. It's a great ballpark. They put on a great show, and this is a great team. So get out there and watch them and support them any way that you can. Let baseball be the fun, joyous, heartbreaking, soul-crushing experience that it's meant to be. This has been the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment.